sisters uh to the to another episode of the appeal aka walker's appeal uh on the wake up radio shout out to all the other programs in the on the on the wake up radio family uh i am oz bryant my co-host rob oh hey robert williams call me <laughs> peace brother peace brother uh and welcome to the blackest hour of your week so um as always we function in the spirit of sankofa uh, always looking backwards in order to understand where we are and how we move forward. Uh, our guest today is none other than Raymond Duguay. Raymond Duguay, brother Raymond. Uh, <laughs> the thank you, thank you. It's, you know, every time I see you, brother Brian, I'm just so happy. Why is that? Oh man, because that's that's family right there. That's that's. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure our ancestors came across that piece of water on the same boat. We just got we got uh, mixed up across the way. That's supposed to be it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's it's yeah. uh, it's all good. It's all good. It's uh it's race first all the time. That's right. That's right. So we got a, a great program lined up for you today, brothers and sisters. But but we're gonna start out by talking to our guest today, the second uh, ge present general, assistant to the present general uh, for the UNIA, among other things. Uh, just a great mind. Uh, somebody I'm, I'm proud to call my brother, Mr. Raymond Duguay. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, Raymond, uh, tell the folks about yourself. You, you can tell you you're a better spokesperson for yourself than I am. Uh, tell them about what you've done, what you're doing. Um, yours. Thank you for inviting me, uh, brother Brian. You know, for those who don't know, this is a good friend of mine, good brother to me. Uh, he is part of the UNIA, and he's also part of the. SIA, and uh, we will, I'll explain that later on. Uh, but uh, what can I tell you about myself? I was born and raised in IET. Uh, I think you pronounce it Haiti, but in Creole, it's pronounced IET. Uh, it was called Sendomeng. And on, uh, on November 18th, 1803, the last battle for that independence. Uh, was fought and it was one-sided. It was victorious. The Africans completely overwhelmed, humiliated, and annihilated uh, what was left of the French army. Uh, and that was November 18th. 11 days later, November 29, uh, in a town that was called Fort Dauphin, uh, Dessalines, who was the leader, who is our father, he is the father of IET. We call him Papa Desalines. On November 29th, he announced to every, everybody that uh, he renamed the town. Instead of uh, keeping the French name for Dauphin, he calls it for Liberté. 
Liberty Ford. And that's his first official statement. Uh, and then he said, we're going to wait, make sure that everything is aligned. And then when the whole world celebrates their new year, we will inform the whole planet, the whole universe, that all Africans who step foot on that island, they are free. They will be protected and defended by a government that will protect you. And so on January 1, which, by the way, was a Sunday, 1804, in uh, Gonaive, this is in the north part of Haiti, and you had to feel it. You know, what people don't realize is that uh, in 1791, which is the official start of the last vestige of liberation, and why I say last vestige? People think uh, that it starts then. No, Africans have been resisting since time immemorial. I mean, we're talking from the interior of Africa. We're talking through what they call that journey, that long march. We're, we're talking uh, up to the last bath in, in uh, Asin Manso in Ghana, for those of you who've been there. We're talking in the slave dungeons, uh, Elmina and Cape Coast. I'm using uh, Ghana as a reference, but this is everywhere, whether it was in Angola, whether it was in Senegal, everywhere. This is the same pattern. And then uh, when we uh, when we go what we what was called the door of last return the door of no return we're still fighting and resisting even on the ships we fight and resist taking our lives smothering ourselves and then when we got to uh, North America we still resisted so people think oh no it was acceptable of course not no human wants to ever be in bondage. And what we as Africans didn't realize that we're dealing with a, a, a superior, wicked, dastardly, evil uh, set of people and that they can continue doing this. And let's use IET as an example, Brother Brian. Uh, it was better to uh, capture, uh, kidnap Africans, bring them to uh, Ait Saint-Domingue, it wasn't called Haiti yet, worked them to death. It was more profitable doing that and getting a new replenishment instead of just not working them to death. To give you an idea, we're talking for close to three centuries, 300 years. We're talking as early as 1506, 1507. We know in 1522 is the first organized slave revolt in Saint-Domingue. But the, 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 this chattel slave, this dastardly evil uh, 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 system of theirs, this is since 1506. In fact, in 1522, Brother Brian, the first recorded slave revolt in Saint-Domingue is on the plantation of Columbus's son. So let, let's, not, let's not even consider that this was about exploration, new world. No, this was about Europe using their might to take away, destroy Africa and build themselves. Uh, people don't realize that from about as early as 1400 up until 1800, the largest economies on the planet uh, was China and then India. What happened in 1800? Well, Europeans go invade, colonize, imperialize and commit genocide. So meaning their system of slavery, of imperialism, of colonialism, 
it's not just to build themselves up, but it's to destroy the people. That's what this has always been. But anyway, so we're talking from beginning of 1500s all the way up to 1791. That's almost 300 years. It's been estimated it was about 30,000 Africans enslaved and most of them being killed. And this is outrageous. To do it for 300 years, about 30,000 per year. No, come on. This is so... Uh, what those Africans did, our ancestors, and this was a buildup everywhere. So, but January 1, 1804, Desalines declares it. He says for all the universe that for so long, and he says 200 years in his, um, in his declaration, but it's really close to 300 years. For 200 years, two centuries, these barbarians, these savages have spilled out blood. Now we are free because we have become the stronger. And then he uh, goes on to uh, give a bit a uh, little history. Then he warns us. And he says, this is the best part, Brother Brian, where he says, you think you are free? Look around you. Everything is the French here. The names of the towns, the way we dress, the, way, the language we speak, our customs. He said, how can you be free? What he's saying is, you cannot be free unless you remove yourself from all vestiges of the oppressor. And he says, we, we have to make this demonstration to show to the world. And so it's about race uh, vengeance. It's about race redemption. So um, later on uh, in the Constitution of 1805, May 20th, this is labeled the race avenger. And what he does is he uplifts. You know, bro Brother Brian, until we let it be known that Black people, Blackness, Black life, that Blackness is valuable, until we show that demonstration, we'll never get respect. And that demonstration must be you liberating yourself and exacting retribution. And that's all of that. So uh, Saturday, January 1 is a holy day of obligation for us not only for all Africans, but in the UNIA, because we recognize the value and importance of Jean-Jacques Dessalines. And I'll be in Brooklyn uh, with those Africans from IET enjoying my soup jumu. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, you, know, you can't be a real African unless you drink that soup on January 1. In fact, real Africans drink it every Sunday morning. I'll tell you the truth, but, but January 1 is a big deal. So we're looking forward to that. I'll make sure I'm there. Um, you spoke about uh, about race pride. Uh, I believe. I believe. Tell me if I'm wrong. I believe there's a children's book that just got uh, released that speaks to that. Maybe you can uh, elaborate on that for me. Oh, my pleasure. The name of the book is "The Black Skin Is a Mark of Shame," and it's crossed out is a badge of honor. Uh, I, it's it was it, it's been published. It's being this. It's been distributed since. Uh, I believe December, early part, no, December 16th was a Thursday, December 19th, since December 21. Uh, we were selling it at The Rock, the restaurant owner's corp, but I am the author. And uh, what started as, out as a project, uh, because we're in Africa, as part of the UNIA, we're in uh, the Liberia, uh, we built a, a farm called Liberty Farm in one of the 15 counties. Uh, 
like Jamaica has parishes, Liberia has counties. So there are 15 counties. Uh, uh, the, the, the one everyone knows is Montserrat County. That's where Monrovia is located. That's the most popular um, um, county. But there's uh, uh, east of, east of um, Montserrat County, which is where um, Monrovia is, is Margibi County. And east of Margibi County is Grand Bassa County. And so we've uh, uprooted there. We have a farm. It's 75 acres. And on the farm, we started teaching the local children. Uh, so we created the Marcus Garvey Academy. So in February of 2021, I was getting ready to go there. And so I prepared a book. Quickly, I did it on uh, some software. I copied and pasted pictures all over the internet that I am right now familiar with. And it's a children's book, but it's a it's a well-conceived, well-concealed book. It's actually an adult book portraying itself as a uh, children's book. And it's about uh, Mr. Garvey, the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. But uh, Mr. Garvey's, uh, 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 one of his quotes is, the black skin is not a badge of shame, but rather a glorious symbol of national greatness. What Garvey does is he changes negative into positiveness. For example, you know, until Garvey comes along, being dark-skinned was a badge of shame. It was ridiculed. And all of our Black leaders in North America, they're all kind of light-skinned, all mulattoes. Garvey comes along, he says, throw that out. He says, up, you Black man, up, you mighty race. You can accomplish what you will. And he says, the black skin is not a badge of shame, but rather a glorious symbol of national greatness. And so being the first assistant president general, well, at the time I was the second assistant, but since then we had elections in August. So I got a promotion. So I'm second in command. So now I'm the first assistant president general of the UNIA. Uh, so uh, being a UNIA uh, legitimate member. Now, why do I say legitimate? Well, it, it's a running joke uh, among us that in our constitution, that is the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association, in our constitution, it clearly states all humans with African blood are UNIA members. There are only two types of UNIA members, active and inactive. I'm happy to report that Brother Brian activated his membership. So that's another reason why we're so cool together. Yes, and yes, so... Uh, and uh, let me give you a quick background about the about the UNIA and Mr. Garvey. Exactly. You know, uh, Mr. Garvey was born in uh, in Jamaica in St. Anne's Bay of St. Anne's Parish in the northern coast of Jamaica. As I said, there are 14 parishes in Jamaica. Uh, on the north coast, uh, part of the north coast is uh, St. Anne's. And he was born there August 17, 1887. And when uh, he's born into a, 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 a family uh, uh, father and mother. The, the mother is, uh, is uh, 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 she has a job as a domestic, but she also uh, grows her own crops. So, uh, and Mr. Uh, Garvey, Mr. Garvey's dad, uh, who's also, uh, is in the, in the official records, it states his name as Malchus, but we generally recognize it as Marcus. So uh, Marcus Garvey is actually the second one. His father, uh, is not only a stonemason, not only a descendant of the Maroons, but his father's well-read. 
His father's got books and an extensive library. And that's important because in 1883, there's a census done in Jamaica. 1883, Mr. Garvey is born 1887. We're talking four years before he's born. There was a census done in, uh, in Jamaica of the 250,000 black people in Jamaica, less than 22,000 could read and write. That's 8.8%. So to, to have Marcus Garvey be born in a household where his father is not only a reader, not only an avid reader, not only has the love of reading, but he's got a library. So Marcus Garvey is going to be a voracious reader. In fact, in his uh, course on African philosophy, Mr. Garvey states, we should read at least four hours per day. And let me tell you, Brother Brian, I actively uh, there are a few days that I don't get a chance to do that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I enjoy reading. And, you know, I mean, not only that, but it's fun. Yeah. And, it, and it educates you. And then not only that, but with what we're doing in the UNIA, it connects the dots, you know, and, and it integrates your, your outlook. And the more anyone reads, the more anyone will get what the real solution is. And we believe the solution is race first. Simple as that. We fully embrace one God, one aim, one destiny. And of course, race first. Anyway, so Mr. Garvey is a reader. He's lucky. He's born in 1887. By 1900, he's 13. Uh, funds are limited. So he has to make a decision. So by 1901, he makes a decision that he's going to stop attending school. All of this as a result of finances. So he decides he's going to become, an, uh, become a printer. So he has to be apprenticed to a printer. He gets apprenticed to a local uh, person by the name of Alfred Burroughs, E.S., as opposed to regular S. What's the difference? Uh, Burroughs with an E.S., those are what you call Jamaican whites. These are mulattoes, light-skinned, very light-skinned uh, uh, Jamaicans. The, the Burroughs without the E, just W.S., these are dark-skinned black people. So Garvey is going to be apprenticed to Alfred, I mean, um, uh, uh, Burroughs, and he is going to uh, immerse himself. Garvey's got a real skill. Okay, what goes on? Uh, several years later, there's a big hurricane, wipes out all of the crops on the northern coast, especially St. Anne's. The, the job market is difficult. He has to commute all the way to, uh, I think, Portland, to, to get to work, he decides, I'm going to the big time. Uh, the big time is Kingston. So he makes his, he treks into Kingston. Uh, when he gets to Kingston, Garvey thought it would be much better. But what does he see? Uh, black people at the bottom, uh, 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 white people on top, that we really don't have any freedom. Don't forget, Jamaica is a colony at this point, a real colony in the sense that all of the resources, everything is taken from this colony, brought back into the home country, meaning England. Okay, what, what, what else is going? <coughs> Excuse me. What else is going on? Uh, Garvey immerses himself in the in, the, in, in Kingston. He, he gets involved in elocution. He gets involved. Don't forget, there's no internet. There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. There's nothing. You know, all you've got is radio and going to plays. And uh, people having contests, who's a better speaker, uh, poetry and all of that. And so Garvey gets involved. And let me say this, all his reading, he's got an idea that 
we're African, we're all African, and that life can be better, but he doesn't have an idea how to get it done. Okay, he immerses himself. He's going to join the national club with Sandy Cox. But the most important thing that happens to Mr. Garvey, oh, one more, one quick thing is uh, there's an earthquake, 1907 earthquake, 85% in Kingston, 85% of the buildings in Kingston are destroyed. Every building is damaged, 85% outright destroyed. You know, uh, Brother Brian, you're familiar with uh, uh, AIG, GM Motors. You know, uh, when these people run into uh, borderline bankruptcy, they ask the government to bail them out. You know, that's how that's how these people work. You know, they've all of it is self-inflicted. You know, they've destroyed the, the world economy, but then they go to the government. U.S. government says, bail me out. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Uh, in this case, it wasn't self-inflicted. It was the act of nature. So the people in Jamaica uh, rightfully believe the homeland will bail them out. Uh, Brother Brian, what do you think happened? Uh, they probably did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's us, you already know the answer. I mean, it's amazing. You don't even have to know anything, but you know the British government didn't do anything. So everybody starts to strike. The most organized labor in Jamaica was the printer's union. Who is second in command in the printer's union? Marcus Garvey. In fact, he's going to become the youngest foreman and the first black foreman printer in Jamaica. Because until he came along, all of the foreman printers were either British or Canadian, white folks. So he's doing well. I mean, the guy's skilled and he's good at it. So he's part of the union. He's part of the management, actually. He's second in command. And so uh, the bosses tell him, no, you can, you, go ahead. You, you, can, uh, you can empathize with your fellow workers. Nothing will happen to you. Your job is guaranteed. Uh, Brother Brian, what do you think happened? <laughs> they fired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing with us. <laughs> it's always predictable. I mean, you could you could make a living forecasting black people, or, you know, because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he loses that job, and so he has to work for the government. He, uh, and so, but he realizes, you know what? Nobody's coming to our rescue. He's a politicized. Uh, and then in trying to improve his uh, elocution, he meets Dr. J. Robert Love. Dr. J. Robert Love is one of the foremost black nationalists who believe in the nationhood of black people, that there is no distinction. Wherever you're from, as long as you're black, you're one. The oneness of blackness. And so uh, uh, J. Robert Love is going to be very instrumental. In fact, that's Garvey's first mentor. He's going to have two mentors in life. Anyway, so Garvey's ready. He is so motivated. He wants to liberate our people. He realizes you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. So he says, you know what? I'm going to forego materialism. I'm just going to create my own newspaper, uplift our people, improve the conditions, and we can free ourselves. He starts his newspaper, The Watchman. Three issues. False. It has to fall. There's no money coming in. This is going to be the first of many lessons for Garvey to understand the concept of self-reliance, of uplifting together. Anyway, so that that doesn't work out. So then he comes up with a better idea. 
why don't I uh, uh, immigrate to another place, make a ton of money, come back and rebuild here in Jamaica? So he goes to Costa Rica. This is 1910. He ends up being a timekeeper for United Fruit Company. Let me say this. United Fruit Company was CIA before CIA. CIA doesn't come into existence until 1947. We're talking 1910. Uh, Harry Truman creates the CIA uh, executive order. So the, the United Fruit Company controlled all of Latin America, Central and South America. They were the biggest landlord, the biggest employer. And the concept of banana republics was created by them because they had the biggest uh, bananas. They, they controlled the whole banana industry and they would determine who's in control, who's in power. So he works there in Costa Rica. He starts a newspaper called La Nación. Uh, he tries to organize black workers. And he says, we can't, look at this. We're being mistreated. We left our homeland, Jamaica, to come here for a better living. I don't see it's better. No, look at this. We're being denigrated, disrespected, exploited, and we're being attacked. But we need to, and he says, together we can alone Individually, we're weak, but together we are strong, and together, together we can make movements. Uh, I don't know if the people were gravitating to it, but guess what happens? The authorities realize United Fruit Company calls the authorities and says, uh, I need this guy out of here. He's a troublemaker. So before they arrest him, Garvey escapes and goes to Panama. He ends up working on the Panama Canal. Another, another slave like condition. Get this, Brother Brian. Whites were paid in gold. Blacks, if they were paid, were paid in silver. Whites got housing. We didn't even get a shack. And then we would be subjected to taxes on payroll day. Whites didn't get taxed. And then robbers would be waiting for us. So it was a <laughs> You know, but, you know, and what does Garvey see? He left Jamaica, black people at the bottom. He goes to Costa Rica, black people at the bottom. He goes to Panama, black people at the bottom. Then he goes to Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia. Everywhere he goes, he sees black people at the bottom. So then Kobe says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, a, I'm like a mathematician. I see the equation here. I see what the constant is. The constant is race. Then guess what? We are denigrated, attacked, disrespected, exploited, genocide is committed on us because of race. So he says any solution must have race. And guess what, Brother Brian? It must be first. The concept of race first. So then, of course, Garvey runs out of money. See, finances and economics play a big role. And so this is 1912. He gets back to uh, Jamaica in January of 1912. He's plotting and planning his next moves. But don't forget, Garvey's a really intelligent brother. He portrays himself as a world traveler, which he was. I mean, think about it. From Jamaica, he goes to Costa Rica, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia. I mean, that's a world traveler. And uh, he was skilled. I'm and sorry? He, and he was skilled. Like yes, he has, and he's a promoter, and you'll forget he does printing. And so, what get this while he's in um uh, Jamaica, April uh, 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 
April 15, 1912. Garvey's like everybody else, reading and finding out what's going on. The biggest, baddest, most sophisticated, most technologically advanced ship ever until that time, the Titanic sinks off the, the, the coast of Newfoundland, out, out off Canada, and it goes down. The Titanic was the biggest, baddest, and it's owned by the White Star Line. Years later, Garvey's going to say to himself, the, 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 the most powerful human being on the planet, the President of the United States, lives in the White House. The Titanic was owned by the White Star Line. So Garvey says, okay, I've got it. I mean, I'm nobody's fool. That's, that's the ways of the world. So when he creates his ship, he's going to call it the Black Star Line because there's no doubt why he's doing it. It's for the upliftment of Black people. Anyway, so uh, uh, by the end of the summer, 1912, he's got a new plan. Let's go to Europe now. I'm going to hit Europe. You know, I'm, I'm going to find a lot of things. And then I'm going to hit the big time, create the wealth, come back and build this organization. Because the, the concept of UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association, even though he doesn't create it until 1914, it's been born, it's been born in his mind since at least 1908, at least at the very minimum, because 1909, he's in the, the, the National Club, and then he meets Dr. J. Robert Love. No, that was, when he meets Dr. J. Robert Love, everything is completed. This is the deal. Anyway, so he goes to Europe. He lands in England. Then he visits Scotland. He gets a job, visits Scotland, Wales. He visits uh, France, Spain, Germany, Austria. What does he see? <laughs> Black people at the bottom. Not only that, but he learns of the savagery of how the British royal uh, 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 colonial military had Africans fighting other Africans, especially in Kumasi in Ghana. And Gabi says, wow, white folks have black folks killing other black folks? What is this? Anyway, but isn't two other things happen? Three other things happen while he's in England. Number one, he sees how government works. You know, government of white people, for white people, by white people. He says, whoa, all these other places I've been at, they were colonies. They were racist endeavors. But I see how white folks operate with other white folks. I said, really? That's number one. Number two, he gets to be mentored by Duzay Muhammad Ali. Duzay Muhammad Ali was a brother born in Egypt from Sudanese background, meaning black, who had written a book on the ancient pharaohs. And now that, but 1911, he attends the first race uh, congress ever. Then he's going to create the African Times and Orient Review, the first Pan-African International Weekly. So uh, young Gavi is working at the African Times and Orient Review, and Duze Muhammad Ali tells him, I see what you're thinking. The concept of nationhood, of black nationalism. You know, you don't need to go any further. Go and do research on Edward Wilmot Blyden. 
the grandfather of black nationalism. So Garvey gets to the British Museum, but get this, to do research, he's got to uh, get approval. Uh, he's got to get somebody who is worthy to write his recommendation letter. It's Duzay Muhammad Ali who writes that recommendation letter. Garvey heads to the British Museum reading room where you, where you do research and, and analysis. He goes there to study Edward Wilmot Blyden. But guess what? Garvey expands. He's going to study and learn about ancient Egypt, or as the real word, as us Africans know, Kemet. Garvey's mind blows up. He says, my God, I had suspected this. I didn't know we were the first mathematicians, the first astronomers, the first geologists, architects, engineers, accountants, farmers. There's nothing we haven't done. He says, what is this? We know this because when Garvey creates the Negro World newspaper, the logo of the Negro World newspaper is the Pharaoh Khafre, who's on the Sphinx. Sphinx is a Greek uh, term. The, the Kemetic term is Heru Emaket. All of this, Garvey puts the logo of Khafre on the Negro World newspaper. Nah. And let me say one thing about the Negro World newspaper. You had the, uh, you had the, like the Amsterdam News, you had uh, the Crusader, uh, you had the Crisis, you had the Defender, you had the Emancipator, you had the Guardian, you had the Whip, you had all of these black newspapers. Guess what, Brother Brian? Not one of them called themselves black. Carvey comes on the scene, he says, cut the bluff. We call ourselves the Negro world. We represent black people. None of them would dare even call, even, even Frederick Douglass, the North Star. They won't call themselves for what it is. Garvey says, cut the bluff, man. We are black and we love being black. We're proud of ourselves. We call ourselves the Negro world. Nah, man. Anyway, so all of this, Garvey immerses himself. And then bingo, Brother Brian, he's got the solution. It must be racial uplift and the necessary corollary must be self-reliance the economic independent self-reliance system based on race first. He's got it. He's got the solution. But guess what? Garvey's running out of money. <laughs> Finances are a big deal. He keeps running out of money. He says, okay, it's time to go. So 1914, so get this, 1910 to 1912, he's doing Central and South America. He gets back January 1912. By the end of the summer 1912, he heads off to Europe. Now, two years later, June 28th, um, June 17, 1914, he says, okay, it's time to go. There are, our manifest tells us there were only two passengers with a third-class ticket. Garvey was one of them. You know things were not working out for him, but he's, he's ready. He gets back uh, to Jamaica. He's going to create the universe. He's going to call it the universal Negro Improvement Conservation Association. He gets rid of the conservation. Then he's going to call it the African Communities Imperial League. He's going to get rid of the imperial. So it's going to become the UNIAACL. Uh, and he says how he came up with that term is uh, while he was on the ship, he met this uh, 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 West Indian brother who had married a sister from uh, Basuto land. Basuto land is now Lesotho. Lesotho is the only country on 
the planet that is completely engulfed and encircled by another country, and that's South Africa. And the brother tells Garvey the viciousness, the evilness, such as when a black woman were pregnant, uh, they would make a bet after certain months, like seven, eight, nine months, uh, what the, the gender of the child is. They would cut open the fetus, kill the mother and the fetus to determine who won the bed. They would cut off mammary glands. They would, pro they would you're talking about medical apartheid? And what, they, what, what white folks have done to us, mm -hmm. that alone should dismiss them as being human. <laughs> but anyway, all of that, all of that, the brother tells Garvey, Garvey retires to his cabin. He cries, man. Garvey said, my God. Then he asks himself, where is the black man's king? Where is the black man's kingdom? Where is his president, army, navy, and men of big affairs? He says, I don't see it, but I won't be a punk. I won't be a coward. I won't run away. I won't give in. I will help you build it. This is the whole mantra of Mr. Garvey, how to rebuild the black race, how to uplift and reclaim the greatness. This is all that Garvey wants to do. So he gets back, he's on his way back to uh, 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 Jamaica. Get this, uh, by the beginning of July, uh, around July 2nd, July 3rd, uh, the ship stops off in Port of Spain in Trinidad, in Trinidad. Garvey gets out to wander, to walk around. Nobody knows him, he's a nobody, nothing. Nobody's even, no, no, nobody even cares about him. This is July, 1914. In five years, July, 1919, nobody's name would be bigger in Trinidad. In fact, nobody's name would be bigger everywhere, but especially in Trinidad. Garvey's gonna be bigger than big. He is the world's greatest organizer. He's able to organize 12 million black folks. 12 million, this is ungodly. 12 million. What else does Garvey do? Garvey believes, he understands the concept of productivity. You will never get respect if you're always a chump, if you're always begging for a job, if you don't control the means of production. And he realized there's an intimate relationship between the means of production and society's reflection of people. It's, there's no joke. He's big on productivity. He doesn't need to read Engels, Marx, or Lenin. He understands product. you must control the means of production. What else does Garvey do? Creates that Negro World newspaper. It's the finest, finest, not even close. It's the greatest uh, newspaper journal black people have ever created. I mean, you've got some of the finest editors in history of North America, black people. You know, you've got uh, one of your heroes, Brother Brian, uh, U.K. Harrison, <laughs> W.A. Domingo, and don't forget, Garvey was one of the, uh, was the first editor. You've got T. Thomas Fortune. You've got John Edward Bruce. You've got Huchishwa Muja. These are the finest collection. These were the editors. And you had other people. What else does Garvey do? Garvey creates that flag. What flag do you say? The red, the black, and the green. <laughs> never, never, ever. Leave home without it.
No, no, I carry my flag on me. I never <laughs> leave home. It's always in my back pocket. And by the way, this was handmade by Africans from IET. This is not Chinese made. Okay. <laughs> okay? Uh, he gives us the flag. He gives us Negro world. He gives us the anthem. What anthem? Well, if you if you're gonna create a nation, you gotta have you're gonna become a government. You gotta have an anthem, universal Ethiopian anthem. And then the economic self-reliance. Bobby's gonna have at least 11 buildings just in New York City. Now you're in, don't forget this Black Star Line Steamship Corporation. Now, the, the, the question you may have, Brother Brian, is where's Garvey getting all this money from? I mean, what is he begging white folks for it? Is he using his income tax returns? Did he start a 501c3 organization? Nah, Garvey's self-reliant. Yeah, we don't beg white folks for it. anything, man. Where does Garvey get his money from? From you and I. Garvey knows this, and every data proves this. Do you realize in 2017, Brother Brian, we, not even 45 million black folks, we're about 43 million, but let's use 45 million. And there's a good reason why I'm using 45 million. 45 million black folks in in United States. We, 45 million, the ones who are oppressed, beaten down, the police murder us at will. Everybody knows black skin is disgusting. Black lives mean nothing. We, those 45 million people in the United States, we spent $1.3 trillion in 2017. What does that mean? Let me give you an idea. If that was a, 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 a separate economic entity, and if spending equals production, which it doesn't and it never will, keep that in mind, uh, that would be the 12th largest economy on the planet. But what else does 1.3 trillion mean? Do you realize the Russian Federation, with 145 million people, uh, 45 times three is 145, okay? Three times the size of black people in America, their GNP was only 1.286 trillion. Get this, that means we black folks in America, 45 million of us, we spend more than the Russian Federation makes. Uh, the Russian Federation is only the owners of the second largest number of nuclear armaments and warhead, the second largest military on the, on the planet. I mean, really? That Russian Federation, you know, I mean, not second largest, but in terms of uh, military hardware and equipment, they're the second largest. It's not even close. So Garvey knew this then. Well, you know, when he, get, when he gets to the United States 1916, uh, March 24th, starting in May, he does a 38-state tour. He's going to visit 38 states. What does he see? He couldn't believe it. Garvey sees black folks getting it on. I mean, we've got movie theaters. We've got jobs. We've got schools, hospitals. He couldn't believe it. He said, what? Hey, don't forget where he's been. He's been to Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama, uh, Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia, Ecuador, England, Scotland, Wales, France, Spain, Germany, Austria. Black people at the bottom doing nothing. I'm not doing nothing. Can't do anything. When he gets to America and he said, my God, black people have it going on. He said, 
when he gets to America, it's to uh, raise funds to go back to Jamaica and build similar to Tuskegee. Because while he was in England in 1913, working at the African Times and Oil Review, he found out about Booker T. Washington. He found out about Dr. Dubois. He found out about so many things. In fact, one of the things he learns in 1913 is that a very popular song is every race has a flag but the coon. So he says, if it's the last thing I do, I would give you a flag. And that's why he gives us that red, black, and green. This is what connects me to Brother Brian, because that flag is the oneness of black people, the red for the blood that must be shed for our liberation, for our respect. And the black is for the beautiful black and noble race. And the green for the vegetation of our motherland, Africa. This is what connects us all together. So uh, Garvey does all this. He gets back to Jamaica and he uh, gets back July uh, 14. By July 20th, he calls a meeting and he establishes the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Uh, it flounders, it, you know, but he does his best to promote it because now he's a world traveler. I mean, he's been everywhere. The only place he hasn't been to is North America. And he can show you where he's been at. Uh, and he had been corresponding with Booker T. Washington. And so by 1915, he's getting ready to travel. But by November 15 of 1915, Booker T. Washington passes away. And so because of immigration difficulties, he's not able to arrive in the United States until March 24th, 1916. Uh, Garvey gets busy. Uh, as he's visiting the 38 states, he realizes he's not going back to Jamaica. He said, this is the belly of the beast. And this, Brother Brian, this still holds true. For the black race to be liberated, emancipated, it must come from the technologically advanced know-how of black people in North America. The whole planet knows this except us. And this is why they have to go out of their ways to make sure we Blacks in North America never, ever produce, never, ever succeed. Because, you know, Garvey figured it out. For example, in Jamaica and in the Caribbean, these were colonies. You know, it didn't exist other than to serve the motherland. Well, the United States defeated its colonial status and became, and especially after the landmass, it became a country within itself. So it's no longer a colony. Well, they were still colonizing and oppressing and enslaving us, but they didn't have to report to anybody. They reported to themselves. So as we were part of this society, we helped to build it. Well, no, we built it outright, but in terms of the inventions, so many inventions black people did. So we are the fabric. Anyway, so Garvey realizes this, and the UNIA is going to grow by leaps and bounds. What else is going on? 1914, World War I starts. Uh, by 1917, Black people are engaged in it. Uh, Brother Brian, when you go to war and you start killing white folks, you know, as, as you're, you're, you're on one set of, uh, of colonizers finding another set of colonizers, and they use us to kill, you know, one set. When you go back to America, are you going to put up with second and third class status, especially since you've been trained to carry a gun? No, not no. brother. Brother Rodgers is he's Navy. He's he's a retired Navy himself. So yeah, no, no, you don't. No, you and don't. so the new Negro. That's and so Garvey's able to recruit those. Like he says, look, brother, 
uh, master doesn't, master's not going to do anything for you. Nobody's come to our rescue. But guess what? You've been trained. So I'm creating this UNIA. It's a government. We need military. We need the African legions. We need the Black Cross nurses. Look, brother, you know how to use weapons. Uh, why don't you help us? Yeah. Brothers were more than happy. Really? Sign me up. Uh, you know, the cracker's been on my back. Uh, Mr. Garvey, I'm down with you. Garvey is going to be nothing short of phenomenal. In fact, the first five black FBI agents, and FBI stands for Federal Bureau of, of Investigation. It wasn't called that then. It was called BOI, Bureau of Investigation, with none other that sick, depraved Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, you want to talk about black political prisoners? You want to talk about uh, COINTELPRO? Hoover started this with Garvey. And Garvey was the first one they went after because Garvey was the biggest one out there. No, let me tell you this, Brother Brian. Garvey was bigger than big. Now, not one, not two, not three, not four. Five departments of the U.S. federal government conducted investigations to destabilize and destroy Mr. Garvey and the UNIA. So they were out after Garvey. And then Garvey quick gets question. this idea. Go ahead. Let me ask you a quick question. Uh, before you said that they nowhere accepted it more than Trinidad. Uh, what can you say? No, 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 no. I didn't say nowhere. No, what I said is Garvey's name became bigger than big in Trinidad. Why, Everywhere, why, but especially Trinidad. Why, why do you think Trinidad? Why do you oh, think two reasons. I'm going to tell you why. I'll tell you. TWA, Trinidad Working Men's Association. It was a labor union. They were floundering. They were just barely getting by. Garvey comes along. They're already organized. But Garvey gives them a mission. The TWA meeting was nothing short of reading the Negro World newspaper. That's all they did. They were fired up. They said, nah, we got you this time. So because they had labor unions and Garvey is like the catalyst. Garvey's big time. And the other reason is, don't forget, you got Barbados, Trinidad, Jamaica. Those were the three biggest colonies of England. Uh, Jamaica is where he's from. Trinidad is much bigger than Barbados. Whereas in Trinidad, they were ruthless, anti uh, any concept of liberation, ruthless. So, you know, the more oppressive you become, yeah, yeah. they say, bring it on. So, Trinidad, let me tell you, it was neck and neck. Everybody was UNIA. In fact, you couldn't find a black person not UNIA in Trinidad in 1919. Hey, here's another question I've always wondered, right? So UNI is a national organization with chapters all over the world. And mm -hmm. uh, why did the UNI struggle after the deportation of Garvey from the U.S.? Mm -hmm. If it's a national organization focused on Africa, what, what, what do you think uh, uh, got in the way there? Oh, I so, so there's no rocket science to hear. I'll tell you exactly what happened. The Black Star Line uh, Steamship Corporation, the UNIA, both were under extreme attack by the U.S. government. As simple as that. And so the UNIA, they destabilized it. And here's the other thing. You know, a lot of us want to believe we're legitimate. But as soon as master comes along and says, jump, we jump anyway. And then for those of us, who play hard to get, they'll pay us, they'll buy us out. So that was a bit, let me tell you, they were still opening mail of UNIA people even after Garvey died. 
No, let me tell you this. Uh, master, the master doesn't get to be master by being nice and sweet. Yeah. It's because he's ruthless and he's a genocide enslaver. So, but think about it. Garvey single-handedly was destroying colonialism. I mean, you think everywhere on the planet, the Negro World newspaper was banned because it got the people riled up. Because number one, they had actually very good writers, very good articles. They had a black history for African men, African women. They had the women's pages. They had arts and everything in the, in the Negro World newspaper was done to uplift the self-esteem of black people. As simple as that. So they, I mean, no offense, not that I'm taking the side of the oppressor, but he wouldn't be an oppressor if he didn't do what he did. I mean, that's you right, know. That's right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So while I wait for Rob, Brother Raymond, so you said that Trinidad, Older Workers Union, and so uh, Garvey gave a purpose, and the U.S. government, and uh, you said uh, that U.S. government was still attacking him, even though he was. Oh yeah, uh, no, but they, they, but you know if no, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking their side, but no, 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 no. We just no, but the point is, you wouldn't be an oppressor. You, I mean, for example, like when they go out and assassinate people, but yeah. that's what they do. But they, yeah. it's not that they have to do it. But these are bad guys. This is their DNA. So you know, Garvey comes along. He's disrupting everything. You know, Garvey had people, black people, believing in themselves. Like now we have a backbone. Now black is beautiful. You know, he creates yes, the black dolls factory. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, nobody was doing that. And he's got 12 million people. And he's got like a million dollars in the bank. And he's got the African legions. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, Garvey says it best too. Men who are in earnest are unafraid of consequences. So he knew what was going to happen, but he said, so what? Nobody's coming to our rescue. If we don't do it, it doesn't get done. No. Nah, so Mr. Garvey is clearly head and shoulders better than anyone else. And when he leaves, I know, I know why he leaves Jamaica. And he goes to the, why does he go to the UK as opposed to going to oh, say? he needs an audience. No, 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 no. He, you know, in Jamaica, it was limited. It's still a colony. Yes. I mean, you know, just think about it. They, they can still suppress. They even brought up Trump up Charles. He, he actually won an election while incarcerated. I mean, yeah. come on. And then don't forget, 1929, he starts the very first political party in Jamaica, the People's Political Party, PPP. Who are his two nemesis? Alexander Bustamante and Norman Henley, <laughs> who become the, one of the two heroes of Jamaica, both Jamaican whites, both mulattoes. They had it in for Garvey. They're, they're suffocating Garvey. Garvey needs an audience. He, he, it was difficult to get in Jamaica. He can't go back to North America, meaning US, and Canada, Canada doesn't count. Well, what, go what, what happens in the UK? He tries to reorganize. In fact, he put, he does the petition in Geneva, you know, calling for, uh, don't forget, 1935, uh, Mussolini invades uh, Ethiopia. He's in Geneva denouncing that, saying, what kind of a League of Nations do we have here? Well, don't forget, Garvey never believed in it. Article 49 of the Declaration of the Rights of the Negro Peoples of the World at the first international convention, 1920, which lasted 31 days. August 1, 1920 to August 31, 1920. Article 49 says, as far as black people are concerned, the League of Nations is null and void. Just like the United Nations is null and void. Who's running it? 
the same people who enslaved and colonized and committed genocide against our people. So what what can you ever expect? Anyway, so he he you know he realizes he's got to keep traveling, keep the fire burning, and then don't forget in the U.S. You know they're being paid off to destabilize and destroy UNIA. You get a whole bunch of people calling themselves president general, whole bunch yeah. of people stealing businesses, stealing buildings from UNIA. You know, it was outrageous, but yeah. you know, because the US government is pulling the strings. Yeah. Anyway, so he has to make that move to uh, Europe. I fully endorse and agree with it. And don't forget, England was still top of the world. I mean, you know what the British say, the sun doesn't set on the British Empire. And that was for real. So, uh, so we're gonna, going into our last five minutes, four minutes of the show. Do you have any mm -hmm. closing thoughts for the brothers and sisters out there? Oh yeah, please join the UNIA. You know, it, what have we done recently? Well, we run the Rosedale Soccer, Rosedale Rockets Soccer Club. We created the FACA Rock, the Federation of African, Caribbean, and American Restaurant Owners Corp. How did we build it? Same way Garvey built it. We created a corporation. We sold our shares. We convinced black people that we can do this. And when you enter it, it's nothing but black folks working and, and buying and loving each other. What else have we done? We're very involved in academics and education uh, in, uh, in Southeast Queens, uh, District 29, which is a very upscale, very affluent black area. The, the results are so poor. We've come to the conclusion that it can only be failure by design. So we're very involved with that. It's called the SIA, uh, different than the UNIA. The SIA is the Students Improvement Association. Uh, we, we also sponsor trips to Africa. We do it twice a year. We built our uh, a farm in, um, in Grand Bassa County. We also have uh, a land in Jamaica. Part of the rock, we um, because of the supply chain issues, it hasn't come out, but we have our own line of, of, of foods. It's called Cockpit Country. So and we've uh, generated profit. We even gave out dividends. I mean, get this, Brother Brian. Mr. Garvey never got a chance to give out dividends. U.S. government destroyed the Black Star Line. We actually did. So we're on our way. So please join the UNIA. My name is Raymond Duguay, and I'm at your service. Yes. So uh, thank you, Brother Raymond. Uh, you are the you'll be our last guest for the year, right? Twenty twenty one in the books. I appreciate you and all the work you do for our people. Okay, well, uh, you know, yeah. David Walker was always one of my heroes. The whole time. Rob, Rob? Oh, sorry, say it again, yes, Brother. I've been here the whole time. I've just been on mute so we could hear the guest. Okay, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> what you say about Brother David Walker? Raymond? No, I said he's always been one of my heroes. The yeah. appeal, David right. Walker's appeal. You know, nobody's coming to our rescue, brother right. mine. Join the Students Improvement Association. Join the UNIA, if for no other reason than for us to come together and liberate our people. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. You have any closing thoughts? No, it was an educational show. This was a good way to close out for the year. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Hope other people did too. Appreciate you, Brother Rob. Uh, so I'm going to close out with a quote from Jean-Jacques Dessalines, the liberator. We have dared to be free. Let us dare to be free. So by ourselves and for ourselves. To all my Africans, Africanettes, and those of you who are African adjacent. Peace. Till next time. On the Wake Up Radio.
David Walker's appeal. Thank you. So shout out to Sister Cindy Ashby for all the work you do. See you on the other side. Peace. Peace first. Peace first. Lord individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Deanne. Cindy Ashby. On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.